Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. But this heat really has me dry. Dry bones, I say. Dry bones rise up. So I want to minister tonight a a sermon I've entitled Beautiful Scars. That sounds kind of weird, I know. But um, uh, I read an article quite a while back. I don't know how long ago it was, but it really inspired me. Um, You know, the royal family, the British royal family, you hear these just unbelievable stories all the time. There's always scandals, constant scandals, constant everybody talking about everybody, and there's fights, and there's infights, and there's this, and there's that. You hear all this stuff. And so I read this article about one of the British royal family, and um, when I read it, I was, it was such a breath of fresh air. And I thought to myself when I read the article, I said, there's going to come a time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that article in a sermon because um, it just, I don't know, it moved me. I was really touched by it. And so um, I'm going to talk tonight about... Um, I just want to use this as an illustration. Uh, Princess Eugenie, she is one of Queen Elizabeth's granddaughters. She's Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson's daughters, one of them. And um, they did an article on her. She was married in the last couple of years. I don't know all the timelines. It's not even really important to the point that I'm making. But um, they wrote an article about her. She was getting married, and she was, you know, planning her wedding, and as she was, um, she was telling a story about when she was 12 years old, and she had been diagnosed with scoliosis, and if you don't know what that is, that is um, a deformity of the spine, and it's a disease that causes a curvature in your spine, and it can be very mild, or it can be extremely severe, and um, she was told that she had a very severe case of scoliosis, and that if they did not do surgery to do corrective measures, which usually means rods and pins along your spine, and that if they did not correct it, by the time she was 30, she would be in a wheelchair. And so they planned the surgery, and at 12 years old, she had major, major surgery on her spine. And so she shared that she was very frightened, um, she was angry, she wondered, you know, will I walk, will I be able to play sports, will I ever run again? And she just talked about the fear and the, um, the pain and the anger and all the things that she went through as a young girl um, going through this. And then the physical therapy that when she came out of the surgery, she came out of surgery in a wheelchair and there was a lengthy... Um, physical therapy process, I think months and months of physical therapy. And so when she designed her wedding dress, she designed the back of it to deliberately show her scar. If you'll put that picture up. I don't know how clear it is. I tried really hard to get a really clear photo. But if you'll notice, the scar runs literally from the nape of her neck all the way down, halfway down her back. It's a really long scar. And she deliberately wanted her gown designed so that her scar would show. And she wore her hair up and no veil to deliberately show her scar. And when she was being interviewed, this is what she said. It's a lovely way to honor the people who looked after me and a way of standing up for young people who also go through this. 
She also said, you can show people your scars. And I think it's really special to stand up for that. Then on her Instagram, where she was encouraging other young people to show their scars, she wrote, scars show your strength. Scars are beautiful. And when I first read that, I thought, wow, what a breath of fresh air. What a brave and kind young woman that in a society that values perfection and flawlessness, she chose to display the evidence of her struggle and her humanity and honor those who helped her triumph through a very difficult time in her life. That she chose to say, I am human and I went through a horrendous time in my life and I needed people to help me, and I want to honor them because they were so good to me, and I want to show others that it's okay to have scars, and, and they're actually beautiful because they show that we triumphed. Then she encouraged others to do the same. So I did some research, which is staggering. According to plasticsurgery.org, Americans spent... In 2018, only in one year, $16.5 billion on cosmetic surgery. <laughs> Doesn't that just make you go, oh my gosh, like that is staggering. Just in one year, $16.5 billion trying to fix things that we think are imperfect. And I happen to know my daughter had a friend in high school that her high school graduation gift was a nose job, and she went to Mexico to have it done. So that, that staggering statistic doesn't even include people that do that, that go other places to have it done. This is another staggering statistic. According to Business Insider, the beauty industry, okay, this is worldwide, the beauty industry is estimated at 532, this is annually, this is only one year, this is current, this number is growing, okay, so listen, <laughs> oh my gosh, $532 billion a year, the beauty industry. Okay, so now let me just say this, okay, I'm going to be real here, believe me, I have spent time more than one morning, looking in the mirror, wishing for a miracle cosmetic product. Okay? I'm just going to be honest, all right? More than one morning wishing for a product that would do a miracle. Okay? But that $532 billion on cosmetics, that almost makes me nauseous. I can't even comprehend that figure. And so we spend so much time trying to look flawless. And here's a woman who is literally royalty. She's in the line for the British throne. Now she's long way down on the list, but she's in line for the British throne, and she says, scars are beautiful. I really admire this young woman. I really do. So recently, um, in my news feed, popped up, I think on Facebook or something, I don't even know, it was on my phone, um, America's Got Talent, every once in a while something like that will pop up on my phone and usually I bypass it. I'm really thankful this time I didn't. It said something about, I don't know, I think Simon gave this girl a golden buzzer or whatever. I don't normally like watch that sort of thing, but it caught my eye for some reason. I, 
I, I just really, I'm so thankful that it did. So anyway, so this contestant, she gets on there and she is battling cancer for the third time. This is her third fight with cancer. And um, I think she calls herself Nightbird. You may have seen it. And um, they have given her this time around a 2% chance of survival. And she made this statement. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore until you decide to be happy. Wow. With that prognosis, she has that attitude. And then she said 2% is more than 0%. Wow. You know, Pastor Greg Johnson ministered this weekend about how we are the bride of Christ and the committed relationship that God has to us. It is a powerful and moving picture of the love that God has for us. And I thought, you know, with the blessing that we have to be called the bride of Christ and knowing our prognosis of living with him for all of eternity, how can we not rejoice in him? How can, you know, we have that prognosis. I'm not making light of what we go through in life, church. We've all been kicked in the teeth more than once. We all have. And some of you right now may be reeling from a recent kick in the teeth. I'm not making light of that at all. But I am saying that we have the perfect bridegroom who is madly and deeply in love with us and we are going to spend all of eternity with him we can rejoice in that no matter what is going on in our lives our God is deeply in love with us and we all have scars so wet my whistle for a minute there I grew up on Long Island in New York when I was a young girl my parents had gone out of town and my sisters, who are older than me, took me to the beach. And so I was in the water with one of my sisters. And, you know, the ocean can be unpredictable. And a pretty large wave came and knocked us off our feet. And um, I was pretty little. And so I still remember very vividly that moment of all of a sudden out of control. And I'm tumbling in the water. Obviously, I can't breathe. So I'm sucking in water into my lungs and I'm flipping in all directions and I'm completely out of control. I can't breathe. And there was sheer terror and panic. And I'm very frightened. I'm young. I'm a young girl and I'm completely out of control. And I don't know what's going to happen to me. And I remember feeling like this, like I knew that someone was trying to grab me. And my sister did obviously get a hold of me before I drowned. And so she scoops me up, but in the mayhem, um, something, a piece of shell or rock or something, cut me on my chin. And when she scooped me up, blood just ran down my chin and all down the front of my bathing suit. And of course, I looked down, I saw it, I freaked, she freaked, my other sisters freaked, everybody freaked out, because there was quite a bit of blood. It was not a life and death, it wasn't a you know, fatal injury or anything, it was just, you know, there was a lot of blood. So I had some stitches, and I still have the scar. And so as a young child, it was very traumatic. My mom wasn't around, and I wanted my mommy, and, you know, it was pretty bad. But it was just a few stitches, and obviously I survived. You know, but we all have scars. Some of them are physical. Some of them are emotional. Some of them are, you know, they, they affect us. But... Um, <clears throat> We may not see them, but they're definitely there. And sometimes we use terms like scarred for life. 
And I'm telling you, we may have a scar, but it doesn't mean that it has to hurt us for the rest of our lives. And that's the thing that we have to understand. Wounds are different. Wounds are still not healed. And you may have wounds. And again, I do not make light of that. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I am not looking at you saying, just get over it. Because sometimes we are deeply wounded and we're hurt and we need healing. But the God that is married to you and committed to you for eternity will heal that for you if you will let him do it. And sometimes that is a process. I'm not saying, again, that, you know, just boom, get it done with and just move on. I'm not even, I'm not saying that to you. But what I'm saying is the God who loves you, the God who made you, is the God who will heal you because he loves you that much. He is that committed to you. He is that committed to the process. And then when those wounds are healed, they will leave scars, But those scars will tell a story that show that you are healed. It shows that you have been through something. It's an evidence of what you've been through and that you are healed and that you have overcome. They tell of your conquest and more. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, Paul the Apostle is writing to the church in Rome about some of the sufferings and the challenges. So beginning in verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things, the sufferings and the challenges? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demon, neither, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing can separate us from him, church. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Everything else is created. He is the creator. Nothing. The creator loves us. He is our bridegroom. Nothing can separate us from him. Nothing. He says, no, no. I said, no. I justify You are mine, therefore I said, no, you're mine. And nothing can separate you from me. Thank God for that. And so I, again, not making light of what we face. Some of us have faced horrendous losses, and it has wounded us deeply. But I'm saying to you, let God heal those wounds, and then let those scars be a testimony to the things that you have overcome because Jesus loves you that much. So, you know, one of the things that I thought about, and, you know, how many times in my Christian walk have I read this scripture? But I thought to myself, 
more than conquerors. Okay, you're a conqueror or you're conquered. But what's more than a conqueror? What is that? What does that mean? And so I looked it up. And the Greek word for more than a conqueror, it's a, it's a dual word. It means one who is, and this is a quote from the, um, the uh, Strong's Concordance, completely and overwhelmingly victorious. And it has the sense of over, above, and beyond. And I like this phrase, for the sake of. And it's God for our sake that's the connotation. And I thought, you make us more than conquerors. We conquer because you did it. It has nothing to do with us. So what I thought about, he said he did it because he gives all for his bride. He came to the earth, walked sinless on this awful earth that we filled with sin, walked sinless, and then allowed us to crucify him in that horrible death all for us. And, we, and he paid the price for us. He is fully committed to us. We can have total confidence in who God is to us. Pastor Greg said this weekend, he said, God's love is not just an idea to God, it's who he is. What a great thought. It's not just an idea, I love you. It is who he is. He can't help it. It's who he is. He loves us, period. You know, tonight, um, Colton was singing that song, Father's House. Love is breaking through. That means God is breaking through. And it says, so no shame here. No shame here because he loves us. And we can take whatever it is to him, and the blood washes it clean. What a powerful thought, church. We do not have to walk in shame because he is a good God and he loves us. And nothing can separate us from him. You know, the whole thing about victory, I mean, it's just so powerful. So Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3, starting verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ with which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Paul is saying, I hope that you can possibly comprehend above and beyond anything that you can ask or think the love that Christ has for you. It's not even really possible for us to comprehend it in our limited human mind. It's not possible for us to fully understand but I am praying that you will be able to comprehend the, just the richness, the exceedingly abundantly above the, what you can ask, that you'll be able to comprehend who God is to you and in you and through you and for you, that you could possibly be able to understand that nothing can separate us, that we are more than conquerors, and that means more. Not just, okay, we've won, and now we're stuck here to figure it out. 
Like Jesus went to the cross and he died and he rose again and he left us here to figure it out. That's not what he did. He sent the Holy Spirit. He didn't just leave us here to win the war and then go home bloody and exhausted. It's not what he did to us. We go home victorious, triumphant, and more than conquerors. We won, we live another day, and we take all that the enemy tried to use against us, and now we get to take all the victoriously blessed stuff away from the enemy. You know, it's the same idea. It made me think, as I was reading all this, as I was studying this out, it made me think about some of those Old Testament stories, like Jehoshaphat, when he led, and, and God said to him, when you go to fight the enemy, I want you to send the praisers out first. And I thought, man, you know, worship team, boy, that's kind of scary stuff, you know? But really, he said, I want you to send the praisers out first, I want you to worship me, and then watch what I do. And so he sends the praisers out, they go out and worship, and then the enemy turns on himself and kills themselves, and then the the army of God, all they have to do is spend literally days collecting all the spoil. That's, that's what they have to do. That's what they have to do. That's the hard work they have to do is go get all the stuff. And that's kind of what this makes me think of. It's like God says, if you will just worship me and trust me and know who I am, all you're going to have to do is watch what I do and go get the stuff. And I'm like, yeah, God, you are that good. Let's go get the stuff. And you know what the stuff is, church? It's people. Because that's what God cares about, is people. That's what God loves, is human beings who are suffering because they don't know the Lord. They're struggling because they're so hurt and so broken and they don't know the Lord. And God says, if you will trust me, I will confound the enemy who has them bound up and then they will be released and you go get them. You go get them and you get the stuff. And then we get to rejoice as we see. We show men and women the scars. Look at my scar. Look at this is what the devil tried to do to me. But Jesus set me free. And now come on. Because he'll do the same for you. Let me show you my scar that the devil tried to take me out. But you know what? He doesn't win because Jesus is much bigger. And he's my bridegroom. And he wants to be your bridegroom too. So come on in because he's, it's good stuff. Come on in. And when they come in, they get to see the glorious, glorious thing that it is to be married to Jesus. They get to see what that is, and they get to feel the love of God like they've never felt, a love that they've never felt. That's the stuff, church, because that's what matters to God. That is the heart of God, is people. That's what Jesus died for. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. So we get to live victoriously. Sometimes, yes, we take it in the teeth because we live in a fallen world, but we get to live victoriously here, and then we get to spend eternity with our God. It cannot be better. Scars show that we fought battles, but we are not victims. We are not victims by any stretch. And I know there are some days, I'm telling you, there are some days, I know you get it. Pastor Greg said this, he goes, Jesus, you're building your church, but I'm done helping. Have you ever been one of those days? Jesus, you're building your church, but I'm done helping. Boy, I could relate to that statement. There have been days I felt that, but it's like, all right. I said to my sister um, the other day, 
uh, my air conditioning went out on one of these days, like this temperature. And man, oh man, the temperature climbed quick in my house. Thank God I got some good advice. I made a phone call, and it was fixed quickly. Thank you, Jesus. And that, that cool air began to pour into my house quick. My little kitties that were draped like boneless, skinless chickens across the house just lay in there like, oh. All of a sudden, they began to perk up as that cool air began to pump back into the house. And, but I, I, had, I had gone to a restaurant, Chili's, because I knew it would be freezing in there. I thought, I'm going somewhere to just freeze my rear end off. And, I, and my sister, I called my sister and told her what happened. And she goes, why didn't you come over? I said, because I was having a pity party and you weren't invited. <laughs> so, so we all have those days, okay? I mean, we all have them. I'm thinking it's 106 outside and my air conditioning goes out. Why me? Wah, wah, wah. You know, I mean, we all have those days. I get it, right? We all have them. But we do not have to walk in defeat. And an occasional pity party, I think I was kind of entitled to a pity party that day. And so, you know, okay, so I had a short, mild pity party. And then I get over myself and I thought, you know what? I'm not living in sub-Sahara without air conditioning. I'm living in Kingman, Arizona, where I had a building I could go to and sit in air conditioning until mine was fixed. What am I whining about? I really don't have much to whine about. So the reality is we are blessed beyond comprehension, and we need to remind ourselves of that once in a while. And so I chose to remind myself that I'm blessed. So there you go. But I'm admitting I'm human. I did have a short pity party. I did feel sorry for myself for a period of time. But you know, um, so there, I showed my scars. <laughs> it's, it's okay to show your scars once in a while, because guess what? Jesus did. John 20. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. Locked doors didn't stop him. And said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus showed his disciples his scars as evidence of who he was. Our scars are part of what identifies us. They are not a mark of shame, but a mark of glory. They showed what Jesus had been through. They show our triumph. Through Christ, we have overcome, and our scars are evidence of that. They may not be physical, but they are scars. And when we share our testimony, we're showing our scars to the glory of God. I believe, I don't have 
necessarily biblical evidence, but I believe based on this, that our scars will be visible for all eternity. They just won't have pain. And I don't think we'll remember the pain that came with the scars. We will only live with the victory and the triumph. And we're in good company. Jesus. And then we can honor God and honor those who walk the journey with us. Because we've all had someone come alongside of us and help us through the difficult times of our lives. I have many people who have come alongside of me, kind of the story of Moses when his arms were tired and his, as his arms came down, the, the army of Israel um, was losing the battle. And so Aaron and her came alongside of him, put a rock so that he could rest on a rock, and then came alongside of him and held his arms up for him. We all need those people that will help us through our struggles. And so just like Princess Eugenie said, you know, I, I wanted to honor those that helped me through that time. What a, what a wonderful, beautiful way to honor people. And we need to remember those that have helped us through our struggles, that have um, been a part of our journey. We need to honor that. Um, but then we need to be that for people. We need to come to a point in our lives that we aren't the ones. And it's not that we're never going to be that. It, always throughout our lives, we're going to have times where we need someone to come alongside of us. But we need to re reach a point in our lives of maturity where we're being the one that is coming alongside of others. And we're the one that's helping others get through the wounding and the difficulties of their lives and helping them to heal up so that then their scars become their testimony and so on and so on. That's what we need to be doing. And so then all of this is to the glory of God. And then more and more people become part of the bride of Christ. And then it's just a beautiful thing because God wants to walk with us and he wants to um, grow his church because that is the heart of God, church. That is the heart of God, is loving on people. That's what he wants. And so when we're doing that, when we're honoring God, even when it's a struggle, because sometimes it is truly a struggle, God, is not, God doesn't condemn us. As the song said tonight, no shame here. No shame here. There isn't shame. And it's not just in here. It's not just in this house that there's no shame. There's no shame for our lives because God is a good God who loves us. And even when we have our little occasional pity party, you know, he just says, come on, come on, chin up. Come on, honey, chin up. This is, you know, you have a good life. I love you. I know this is a little bit of a struggle, but it's going to be okay. Come on, baby. Let's get up. Come on, come on. You got a good life. Come on. I love you. You're my child. Let's, let's do this together. Come on. I'm going to help you, and I love you. And he encourages us, and we have people come alongside of us. And then we can walk gloriously in the power of who God is. We can honor him. We can love him. And we can live this wonderful life as the bride of Christ. He chooses to partner with us, church. I love that. When, you know, again, Pastor Greg this weekend, he said, God could do this perfectly. You know, and you want to look at him and say, you know you can do this perfectly, right? Like, you do not need me. And God says, yes, I could do this perfectly, but I'm not going to. I want to do it with you. He chooses us to be his hands and his feet and his eyes and his mouthpiece. He says, I choose you to do this. And, and you know, there are many times in my life I thought, God, are you sure you have the right girl? I mean, I have done it so many times in my life. I've said, are you sure you have the right girl? Lord, look at me. Really? 
how about a better cosmetic, God? <laughs> you know? I mean, really. It's like, God, God, you sure you got the right girl? Because we got to dress this up better or something. We got to do something with this. Are you sure you got the right girl? And he says, yeah, I'm sure I got the right girl. This is what I want you to do. And it's like, all right, Lord. I don't know why you want this, but it's all yours. And we can all say that to an extent. It's like, I'm not, like if we have an arrogance to us, it's probably not a good thing. We all need to recognize our weaknesses and our shortcomings and our like, I don't really know why, God, but okay. You want it, it's all yours, and I'll make it the best I can, but I sure know what I lack, God. And I'm not really sure. And there are times I think, oh, my gosh, Lord, that is a Christian kindergarten lesson, and I still don't have it down. Like, being nice to people, God, that should be something I have down by now. I've been saved 40-something years. Being nice to people should be easy, but I don't want to be nice right now. And God says, I know, and that's a challenge for you, little girl. But you need to be nice. And it's like, but I don't want to be nice. You know, I mean, simple things like that. You think, my gosh, by now I should know how to do that. But I don't want to do that right now. I don't want to be nice to this person. You know, it's those simple things. And we all battle that. But yet God still chooses to use us. And he says, I love you. I love you the way you are. But I love you too much to leave you that way. I want you to change and grow. And I love you, my beautiful bride. But I want you to grow. I want you to get better, okay? And so that's why he leaves us here instead of immediately taking us to heaven after we get saved. Because there's a process to our growth and our change. He wants us to become better. He loves us just the way we are, but he wants us to be better. And so I challenge you. Show your scars. Let God heal your wounds. And then show your scars. Don't be ashamed of them. Don't be ashamed of them because they are beautiful. They are part of your testimony. Show that Jesus showed his scars. You're in great company. Show your scars. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid for us. Thank you for the beautiful scars that you bear as a triumph and a victory of what you did for us, that you overcame death, hell, and the grave, that you bore our sin on your body. God, thank you for what you did for us. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you that you are love, that you are our bridegroom, and that one day we will spend eternity with you. But in the meantime, you have not left us alone, that you are with us, that you dwell in us, that you walk with us, God. Help us to remember that and help us, God, not to be ashamed to show our scars. We love you so much, God. We honor you, God. Help us to honor Honor those that help us and help us to be those that help others, Lord. Help us to bring others in to be a part of your body. We love you and we thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Good night. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.